0: Well, that music, if you hear it, is Civil Wars. It's off our new album that is available for pre-order now. Uh, I will give you more information on that later. But uh, that's mm-hmm. Emory's new album. Uh, Emory's got a show called Are You Listening on Sunday Night? So I would like to cue up right here or you know, mention right here at the top of the show. That's Sunday night at about 7.30 Eastern. And you can beam our show right into your TV at home. We'll be playing songs. We have the guests... This week, Boys Night Out is going to be on. We're working on a collaborative song with them of one of their songs, and I think it's going to turn
1: out really terrific. We'll see you Sunday night on that. Toby, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, today's show is also sponsored by Marriage Supply, which is our company, which is a curated selection of adult toys that provides variety and value. Go to marriagesupply.com. I'm doing okay. I haven't been sleeping that well. (laughs) It's been kind of warm. Uh, I I told you folks... uh, I don't know, uh, you guys at least, uh, just got furloughed for a while. So we're she's questioning, will her job return? And then we're even, here's what's really tough. In the moment, you think like, it, it, there's all these different levels that you think on. Like you think on the micro level of, okay, we got to go to the grocery store and get food and not get COVID on some <laughs> level. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's lightened a little bit over the past month. But that, yes. that, that little level of just go to the store and come home and clean stuff before you touch it or after you touch it. And then it goes up to the next thing of like, uh, uh-oh, what will work look like for me? You know, what is that going to be like or whatever? And then it goes to the next thing of, is it all over? Is America over? Is the world over? And de- like, there's all these different tiers that I can be, I can hop into at any moment. Horizons, it's like, I'm, I'm, Yeah, it's like I'm standing in the middle of a circle with all these different uh, scenarios. And at any moment, I might just slide into one mentally. And I can't, I almost can't stop myself. There's times where I have to just go, it doesn't, you can't control it. It's not going to. That's why I'm really glad we have Ed Lattimore on today, just to talk about our what it means to be mentally strong and how do you overcome things when sometimes you don't even realize it. Like I don't even realize I'm slipping into a little bit of fear, worry, stress, anxiety, whatever. Sometimes you sound I'm, like anxious I'm halfway the way you're in
0: describing it. that from what I'm hearing there. And it's no, it's I'm no. Anxious. You know the the trap is the thing right in front of you that's not that big of a deal, but has immediate. Power to grip your attention with a little, tiny bit of fear, like washing the vegetables. Yeah, you know that can dominate, and then you can ignore the bigger ones. And, and there's a, all yeah. kind of traps to that. But one thing that I do not think adds to it is <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the media and <laughs> something that I think they've gotten quite wrong here. That, I, that right. a, this is kind of a more of a petty illustration, but damn it, does it piss me off? Okay, and that is something I think everybody has heard about by now. Uh, If you'll remember when COVID started coming, it was like a fear at first and then reaction over how serious is this going to be? And now we have the newest threat that everybody is uh, freaking out about, the murder
1: hornet. Oh God, the murder hornet is unbelievable. So
0: it it parallels COVID in how serious it is, based yeah. on the amount of coverage I've seen on it. It's very, very serious. Everybody should be scared and be anxious and stressed about the murder hornet, which I think that, is the most. Re- all the
1: headlines say they've entered the U.S.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen. The second I saw the word mur- murder hornet, I I just immediately before I read the article knew this is just the, this has got to be the biggest bullshit thing possible that the thing would even achieve the name and headline murder, murder hornet. hornet like i immediately right. know this is garbage news and this is nothing to worry about because it is called a murder hornet and there couldn't be no scarier sounding thing so it obviously is made up and nonsense it is you do i cannot believe i saw it once and i laughed and then i saw it a million more times which just shows you what people what what we're like, but the murder hornet is the most ridiculous thing. First of all, his name is Vespa Mandirina or something like that. It's not named the murder hornet. That's just something you do to to get headlines. Now, the reason I know this is it falls into my normal category of trying to anti-bias things, but I am... Was a, uh, you know, when I was a young, obsessive kid about the things I get obsessed with with the way that my brain is wired, one that I've spent time previously obsessing about in my life and had a lot of fear and panic about, and the most amount of prayers I've ever said in my life was for me to avoid killer bees. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I got swindled into the killer bees scam of the '80s yeah. and '90s, oh, yeah. which actually started in the '70s. But that was a scam. Nothing yeah. to that either. That was blown out of proportion. Fear, goofy, stupid. The Africanized honeybees were not scary. They didn't do anything bad. Nothing bad has happened because right. of them. And they've been promising that that was going to be the the bee apocalypse. Yeah, and they called them killer bees. And, of course, you never stop hearing about them and seeing them in TVs and movies, and everybody's scared of them. There's nothing scary about them. It ain't no problem. Right. You'd see the maps of them coming. I was terrified of them. I'm not falling for this fucking murder hornet. I'm not going for it. It's nonsense. (laughs) There's only been four confirmed sightings of the thing. Okay? (laughs) Four confirmed sightings of it, and it's it's just it's
1: nothing but it's just. But nothing. those people were killed immediately. That saw them, no, right? the murder no, no, killed no, them, no. right? So they first of all, be.
0: honeybees kill on average in America eighty people a year. And For honeybees? In, yeah, I mean that's just a p- allergic reactions and stuff. It can happen, but eighty a year COVID, isn't much. I mean, if you yeah. see any other kind of numbers of ways people die lately, eighty ain't that much, right? Right, and so. In Japan, where they have the murder hornet, uh, they have an average of 40 people die from it. So even in the place where it's everywhere, 40 yeah. people have died from it. And also, guess how many stings on average the person gets when they die from a murder hornet, even when they are,
1: quote, murdered by this insect. What? A murder hornet can't be that many. I'm going to say five. 60. Five stings.
0: <laughs> 60 stings <laughs> is the average person that dies from the murder hornet. Has been stung sixty times, and of course, murder, as you know, is is a ridiculous term to put on something because murder, if you go to court or anything else, it means right. intent. This, right. it, they, so they're it's, intending
1: to kill you. Yes,
0: which I mean, that's yeah. just absurd to, to to do that in every possible way. It's like that graphic of the floating trash barge that got everybody freaked out about landfills and recycling. It's just this emotional thing that does all this damage to everybody because it sounds scary. It's a good headline. It's nonsense. The killer bees was nonsense. and The the Africanized honeybees aren't any different, hardly, except for they swarm more collectively than regular honeybees. That's all that really turned out to be. And It said Africanized. They showed the map and they said killer. There's nothing to it. Uh, At this point, you'll know next time when they come out with the next B, they'll have to ramp it up from here. They went from killer beast to murder hornet. So I expect right. the next time we have uh, anything scary in the stinger department for it to be called the st- the sadistic children, torture, and slaughter wasp is right. what I would expect it, yeah, the next the, one to be
1: called. The, the raping grasshoppers right. are headed it's this right. way. I mean, they're going to have
0: to go up to a whole other level. just to. Right. I mean, they've already blown
1: murder hornet here
0: for something. There's four of them in Washington State. I mean, that it's just it's total nonsense that's the way the media works that's the way they do with everything but everybody loves it you love to pass it around and i again i've fallen for it because i was scared as shit about bees when i was little because i got stung a few times lived in the woods and i was terrified of bees but i learned my lesson with killer bees don't worry about that murder hornet that's just that's this fear porn or something is it
1: fun or just funny what's the deal with that I mean, I think people want to it's be just scared, and the, the, the media knows that. People want want it. They want to be frightened or have some, have an enemy. We, we, you know, we, we tell – because the enemy can't be us. We can't look at ourselves and go, we're bad. You know, oftentimes we want to find the enemy outside of us, so we look at the whole rest of the world and go, what's, so, what's the bad thing I can worry about today to give me something? You know, because in reality, it's the best time in the history of the world, even with, even with the pandemic. It's still better than many other seasons mm-hmm. of life in the history of the world. And I think that's what people need. They need something bad to like – maybe it's like some kind of control thing or something like that. Like, but you're right. The, the media, the, the way they present it, I was trying to look it up on uh, Twitter. I, I posted this link today to a, an article I saw. <laughs> this is a real article. Llama, uh, this is from The Telegraph llama hidden in secret Belgian location could defeat coronavirus <laughs> there's a llama in a secret location that might save us all and I'm like why would they write that and the reason is is because you can and it is absurd and it doesn't make any sense so you have to try to figure it out and you kind of want to because you, you need a little hope what if what if a crazy old llama yeah. saved us all that you know or, or you know or or the idea that uh it is absurd and you get to at least enjoy the absurdity because your real life is feel shitty. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I feel I, that I, news
0: I, now reminds me entirely of porn. I mean that's just it's just a surface, superficial, yeah, not is. real yeah. thing that's hyper engaging and doesn't really give you anything. I I, I feel right. I feel like people that go, I'm in the news, like it's oh, Mr. Right. Current Events, huh? No, it's like looking at yeah. porn all day, you, and you have right. to go back to it, and you're looking for more. It, it's yeah. it's ever
1: increasingly in that. Well, category. you're right. You're right in a lot of ways. It, it sounds almost masturbatory because yes. you, it's solo. You get this solo enjoyment, and uh, it reinforces the things that you like. Right? Like if yeah. you like if you like big boobs or big butts or whatever, it, porn can give you that. You know, what, whatever your fetish or feeling is, porn can give you that. The media has l- latched onto that and does the same thing. It's going to give you whatever you. Desire or want in a headline in the nineties to keep yeah.
0: up with current events or yeah. whatever in eighties was like well I'm aware of the international politics with Iran and the contra and the things and the way the markets yeah. moving all this stuff but now it to say you're into the news and current events is just just garbage I
1: mean it's yeah it's total with, it's with that being said day. do you think people do you think we are at a lower uh, maybe. In the last, think about the last three decades. Do you think people are actually reading less? There's more content, but do you think people are reading? less? like do you, do people? How many people do you think really read the murder hornet article? Not that, or many. is it just the headline? Right, mm-hmm. like the headline. I heard this thing about murder hornets that are coming from Japan. They're gonna kill us all. I don't know. Anyway, right. this COVID thing's weird, and you just move. You know what I mean? Like you move on or something like that. I don't even know if people are actually reading Not as anymore. No, Even as though you much. have the most written text ever available to you. You, it's worthless almost to you It's right. uninter- uninterested in it
0: I think that is right And I'm very excited because it looks like our guest is here is Ed Lattimore, And I'm going to bring him on in just a second But before I do that, like I said I have to tell you about Emory's new album White Line Fever The time has come when you can possess it The pre-order is live now The album will be out everywhere on June 5th You can pre-order it right now at emorymusic.com And, uh, right, we're gonna be listening to a song right now. This song's called Civil Wars, and we've got a new music video for that. You can check that out at emorymusic.com. There's gonna be a new single released every week until June 5th. And if you get a good pre-order here, you'll automatically be in Emoryland, which means you get everything that we put out as we put it out. I think you have to spend $50 in total to be in Emoryland, or you could join other ways. But this is a big, fun, exciting time of year for us, because we got a whole new album That is imminently coming out And everybody at their own schedule Whether they join or not Or wait or pre-order Will get it slightly differently But we're so happy to be releasing new music That we've been working on And uh, we're releasing a lot We're ramping up the schedule And putting out new music is a lot faster now And at better quality Than I think we've ever done it So thank you everybody For helping us get to this point To where we can honestly Just be creators And make this podcast And we make music with our band And figure out how to do business enough To where we do creative stuff full-time and it works and we do it all pretty much ourselves and that's because we do it directly with you guys so when you support the pre-order when you buy our music when you join Emoryland, land it's in a really amazing thing that happens the money stays it's like tipping your friends that work in the service business they get the money it's your money you share it you support other people and you've got these creative economies going that don't have a lot of middlemen in it so that might be a good segue in. Bringing on Ed Lattimore here, who self-publishes his own eBooks to great effect. Ed, thanks for joining us.
2: Hey, thanks. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, perfect, man. You guys had me cracking up talking about the murder hornets and, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it, the, the, it is, it is just a hilarious time we live in. My girlfriend always says that it's, it's like um, a real life Jumanji, man, and yeah. it is. <laughs> And you wonder how how serious any of it is. I mean, I, I'm I, I'm not going to say I want to see a swarm of murder hornets. Not not saying that. What I am saying is that I'd, I'd like. You know, here's the problem: survivor's bias is is huge. You know, we don't know how. Most people have no idea how severe uh, Corona is, right? Because how many people do we know with coronavirus? You know, it's a Roberts, spot. Likewise, um, the the Hornets, same idea. Those, look, they might be some bad, bad MFers, man. They might be serious as heck. But I want to see something. Show me... Show me, uh, you know, a, a coward part, you know, or something. Just, just right. make it, make it real for me. But, but thank you for, for you guys for having me. You got it, and you
0: know that there couldn't be any real problem with it because it would the, all the headlines would say killed a child, or if there was anything that had happened, it oh, would be in yeah. the headline. Oh, I assure you. Sure. So you already know you don't have to read the article because anything that would have been interesting that's would true. have already been in the headline. So the fact that they just exist and that's a story is ridiculous. It's yeah.
2: like when you're looking for an apartment. Somebody taught me this trick a while ago, and it's, it's yet to fail me. When you're looking for a place to live, see what they say. Did they, did they tell you it's got a nice view and and, and wonderful spacious rooms? Or do they give you hard numbers? Boom. You know, 2,000 square feet, deck, patio, yeah. garage. Right. It, the, the latter is probably a nicer place than the former. And they're trying to sell you on that, which is why they use the colorful adjectives in the yeah. uh, the description. Yes. So Ed, you seem to
0: be a guy who really is in the world of uh I think you intersect with us in 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 the degree that I was just talking about with our band and doing the podcast as in you hustle, you seem to do a lot of stuff yourself. You've put out several books on multiple topics and you seem to do like be a very self-motivated person that doesn't need as much outside help and from all the stuff you've done from boxing actually we should probably give a good uh you know <laughs> let everybody know your background yeah, of boxing no and everything who, who too i
2: but... am we just started talking about <laughs> oh, the Hornets. Yeah. uh yeah you know the so so a uh, uh, real quick background about who i am if, if you never heard or seen me i'm um, at Lattimore. um i started professional boxing when i was Oh, I was like 22, which is a relatively late age, almost ancient. But I went on to have some really good success in my amateur career, which propelled me to some uh, opportunities in my professional career. I went about as far as I could reasonably go, and you know, I had a, I had a pretty embarrassing loss on TV. And then fought one more time, and that was it in the 2016. But during that time, I realized that boxing was probably not going to be there forever. So I enlisted in the military so I could get, get some skills and also get some money to go to school. And I graduated in 2018 uh, with a degree in physics and a minor in mathematics. And also, one of the things that was holding me back during all that time, I was I was pretty into to alcohol. So on December 23rd, 2013, I took my last, well, 29th. Uh, 22nd. I mean, I took my last drink December 23rd, 2013. Was my first uh, full day of sobriety, and have been sober ever since. So it'll be seven years this December. So that that that's me in a nutshell. And you know, in, in the those are like the the big you know kind of key points. And I and I, I play chess competitively as well. But I do all these things because because I one I need to do something. I'm that guy. Uh, I really don't know how to do nothing. I don't even know how to really do just one thing. I really wish I was. And I think that's making up for a lot of my childhood where I didn't have any opportunities whatsoever. And I wish I could have done things. And now I'm trying to, you know, do a bunch. Uh, But I I love writing. And I've built my website really from the ground up. I've had some lucky breaks. I'll never be a guy that sits here and says I I did it all alone. But uh, the, the innovation, the drive, the investment, the risk, the the time, you know, that is all me. But I've had a lot of help with people, you know, like, you know, I have no idea what will come of us talking today. But opportunities like this to have these great conversations with great, interesting people who have other audiences, uh, that's also helped quite a bit. And I've, I've just been, you know, kind of I, I kind of have a loose formula ish. And I've been following it for the past what are we now 2027 years ish, and it, it's worked out really well, and I'm really happy with how things have gone. And and you know it's funny I was saying I said you know when you prepare and when it's easy you know when things are hard it ain't gonna be so hard. And right now you know everybody's rocked out. Uh, from this in different ways, and I, and my day to day is almost completely unfazed and unchanged. And it's, it's a lot of it is because of all that work I did, and I continue yeah. to you know? no 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 days off, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? that's right, that's right.
1: <laughs> well, it, one of the things that made me interested, I follow you on Twitter, and and saw you with Scott Adams, um, who I, I follow as well, and uh, I. The, the thing that immediately stands out about you is I I, I grew up loving boxing because my papa, my granddad, loved boxing. He would want to watch it with me. And uh, so I got to see, you know, probably, you know, even a little too young, I'd be watching fights and just thinking <laughs> it was amazing, you know. I just, I really did. At the time, though, it was because just the brutality of it. Now, as I'm older, there's a real link I've been, I've been feeling more and more about the relationship to physical fitness and uh, w- warrior or fighting with, uh, strong, a strong mind as well. And not just strong mind, like, uh, tough, tough. I can run a hundred. Like you became, you're a writer. Like, you don't, you don't see that, that, that headline of, of just you, that, that little, uh, moment of capturing a little bit of Ed Lattimore where professional boxer and also now writer, like that doesn't happen a lot. And, and I think that that is a part of your story that is, it was just so intriguing to me, but I, I wanted to get back just to start a, a little bit of your story I know you you kind of grew up in uh Pittsburgh and a pretty poor family I think uh, yeah. single mom stuff like that and you said you started boxing late which is 22 I'm I'm assuming most boxers start what mid teens Oh,
2: that- probably even earlier I mean really?
1: just,
2: you know um there there's a funny it was a funny thing growing up we we were, were from you know the, that that lifestyle and that that Background, where a lot of guys get involved in sports. And my mom was like, you know, some things she got right, some things she didn't. That's every parent, but it's like like extremes, you know. And and it really, I'm, I'm really fortunate that I have some type of athletic ability because not everyone has that. But my mom fought me so hard oh, on playing sports. She didn't want to be, she didn't want me to be known as just another dumb jock, right? So I didn't, I didn't play any sports until. Uh I'm not gonna count cross country. That was the closest I could get to being active. (laughs) She let me she let me run cross country in middle school. But then in high school, you know, it it really came down to it was like one of the first major confrontations where I was like, okay, I'm probably going like I don't know what the outcome is gonna be because you know, your parents threaten to kick you out, knock on that, all that kind of stuff. But I was like, you know, I'm gonna play a sport. I need to do this. And and even at a young age, I, I recognized that there was going to be more benefit. From it than you know, loss. I mean, assuming I don't like break my spine, you know, tackling somebody or something, there's going to be more benefit, the expected value is greater. And she she didn't see that, and we went back and forth on it, you know, throughout high school. But I just, you know, just kept playing, kept doing grades, didn't suffer, you know, so it didn't really, there was nothing you know, uh, negative to and see about my participation. On top of that, it probably kept me from. Just being bored. Man, I hated going home. You know, so so I always wanted to, right. to do something. Whether I had a I had a job, I played three sports. I, I did it. I was involved in a musical, you know, on the tech. I didn't I didn't sing or perform. I was I was I was on the tech. Because I mean I hated going home. I didn't want to be there. I always found other things to do. Yeah. And and it really and, and sports was a big thing. And yeah, and you're right about that mindset thing. Because not just, you know. The, the, the toughness of football and boxing and all that uh, is, is on the body, what everyone knows, but mentally there's, you know, uh, your your body or you're your going to quit way easier or way, way sooner than your body actually collapses and shuts down. Uh, the trick is, you know, can you work through that? Because it's not like you, it's not like, you know, you're just running along one day and all of a sudden uh, 10 miles feels like nothing. Um, at least that has been my experience. Right. What happens is that you learn that that's just pain and it's no different than being tickled. Like, uh, it, sure, one is pleasant or unpleasant or nervous or whatever, but it's just an emotion. You know, It's it, your body's fine. You just keep moving, keep going, you'll stop, and then you'll be really grateful that you kept going through it.
0: The tickling, yeah. uh, the way you say that about tickling is interesting. I have a daughter who is three. And if if the water is too hot in the tub or whatever, she'll say it tickles, but I mean it's burning her. Right. She she doesn't really. You know, sometimes you touch something that's hot and you think it's cold, and you can't tell. Like that's all an interpretation. All you're getting is sensory input, and, and tickling is an interpretive one. So that's a really great illustration of it. If, you're, if somebody you didn't know came up to you and was doing tickling to you, it would be like a painful attack that you'd be fighting, not laughing, right. the same stimulus. Right. And so, so I think that's an interesting way to do it. It's, the, it's an emotion that you have, not the reality of, of what is happening.
2: Right. And and you know that's not to say you ignore all pain. One of the you know what they what they used to ask us when we played football, are you hurt? Or are you injured? Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Uh and and I think you you really have to push yourself past that safe zone. And and that that's not just physical. That's you know mental, emotional, whatever. So you know where it exists. Like like I know for example uh when I'm angry. Because I don't get angry often. I know how to, you know, and when I say angry, I mean beyond I, to the point where something has, you know, incensed me so much that I lose control. And then I feel physically what that's like. And I'm like, OK, we're getting too close to that point. I don't want to be there. Let's let's pull back. But sometimes you have to lean into it because that's the only way you're going to get someone's attention. And then you still have control over it. And so I tell people, I'm like, you know, you're almost never going to see me angry. If It appears angry. I, it's it's still very deliberate. I still have very uh, a very a high degree of control over what's coming out of my mouth and what I say and what I do. Right. When when I lose it, yeah, then you'll be like, oh, well, that was the next level. And it's like that with your body. I know, you know, when when I should stop working out. But I only know that because I've gone too far a few times. But most people never even get there, you know. You, you, but I think you got to push yourself and you got to know where your limits are. Otherwise, you, you're approaching—you uh, you could be way off, and it's just a slight, slight pain, and, and you could do so much more than you even know.
0: And that translates across physical and mental, as as if there was no difference when you're writing or you feel like you're too tired to finish this th- paragraph or whatever. I mean, that's that's a oh for, same for thing. sure.
2: And, you know, what people forget, too, about about building a self, you know, sustaining empire, right, is that, you know, most of it, there's a lot of stuff with it you don't want to do. (laughs) You know, no, no one I always say to people, I say, you know, before you think about this. Having a job really might be better, you know. You can just show up. You don't really have to work that hard and you're gonna get paid no matter what. You sure you just like all the only difference between you and I is that if I decide out I'm done for today, I'm gonna go lay on my couch and watch an Argos. That's it. if you do that, you gotta ask somebody, but you still want to get paid. It's a trade off, right? But but that whole pushing myself through, yeah, if if I look and I look at the numbers and I go, Okay, we're we're approaching rough times and we we've, we've got a warning sign here. Uh what are we going the sky's red, you know. What are we going to do, sailors? I have to push myself through even if I want to just sit around and eat popcorn and and watch whatever trashy show I'm into for that for that month, I still have to go no. And a lot of people never under, never never have to develop that muscle because there's no penalty in their life for not developing it. And being able to embrace that penalty, embrace what happens if I don't hustle, if I don't push, if I don't move, that is directly from boxing. I mean, and a lot of like, I learned a lot of stuff from boxing in terms of like what I carry uh, with me to other areas of my life not just the skills of punching, but that is a big one. It's just like, in other words, it's just a feeling and you got a job to do and you need to push through and get it done.
0: Let me try to relate that to one more thing um, in your story here. And then we can move on from there. But I think that's a very similar thing. So one is physical and then one is emotional where you're trying to avoid pain or not push yourself past whatever that is to escape from the, whatever that is. Um, And then there's another one that's mental. And I think probably applies to you, got a ba in physics so when you're doing fit now physics and math uh i think people always get it wrong because when you explain to them that those are the simplest sciences sciences people (laughs) think what are you talking about you know that's the hardest ones or whatever it's it's they are fundamentally simple and there's a period when you're doing sciences like that where of course it's confusing to you because you don't understand it and that is the exact thing that you're looking for but the great thing about math and physics is the answers are there and they are understandable but you have to go through the period of being confused admit you're confused and that's a type of discomfort that a lot of people can't sit in long enough to find out how does it actually work but it but it is it's just the ability to understand that you don't understand this technical thing and sit in that discomfort until you can understand it because certainly you don't have to be a genius to understand math and physics you really
2: don't Oh no, I mean I'm sure it helps, right? I mean, yeah. but like it's, it's a, you know, um I I I just wrote an article and I'm gonna write another one about this because it's just really interesting to me. Uh about my experience in high school with math. I I mean I I posted transcripts. I ordered my transcripts just so I could take pictures and show people uh no man, I was like a failure—not not quite a failure—but I think my best grade was a B in like the the ninth grade algebra, and everything after that was C's and D's in math. And I was convinced that I was never going to be good at math. Like it just wasn't my thing, whatever. And I had a very fixed mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Going through boxing changed that. I went from fixed to growth mindset, and that's because I saw what happened when I applied myself over time to something. In this case, it was boxing. And then I said, okay. When I decided to go back to school, I said, all right, there are only a few things worth me investing the time and money into, and all of them seem to have math in them. So, when the, so now I'm at a, at a crossroads Do I just say you know, screw it and not do it or go with it and get better at math. And, and I'm really happy I chose to go with it, to push myself through. Because I went from the, a kid in high school who, you know, I, it, was, it was foreign, I didn't know anything. And I sat and I put so much work in it, so much effort. i not only, I got an A in every calculus class. Actually, I got I got an A in every calculus class and a B in every math class uh, for physics. When you go up, you got to take uh, differential equations, probability and stats, numerical analysis, linear algebra. Uh, I feel like there's something else in there. Oh, a mathematical methods and physics class, uh, and all of that, right? And then on top of it, one of the things I had to adjust when I lost my fight, I lost the uh, my sponsorship, and I had to go, you know, earn money but still go to school. And I started tutoring high schoolers in physics and math. And I went from working with regular kids in regular physics and math to my final year, I was helping kids get ready for the AP exams in physics and calculus. And I'm like. And then that was a moment for me because those are things that like I was like, oh, you must be so smart looking into the looking at the people who did those things in high school. And for me to be able to come back and go, okay, here's what here's what's wrong, here's what's right, uh, here's how you get through it. And and it's all, you know, there, there's no special gifts. I told one of my one student I was helping her for the AP Calc exam, I said, Look, I already know everywhere you're gonna fail. I took this class four times, and it's true. I took calculus uh four times so I'm like okay uh I already know where you're probably gonna have problems and if it's somewhere different we're gonna get through it but don't worry I felt this more than you're even gonna try and she was, and you know and it was true <laughs> we got through it but but that is all from boxing man because that watching how uncoordinated and awkward mm-hmm. my footwork was when I first started, to, to getting to the point where I had you know uh, a national ranking, a national amateur title and then going on to professional and, and getting signed by a pretty pretty decent uh, promotional company and fighting and having a good time. I, I was just like, okay, if I can do that, this physics thing is nothing. This this blogging thing is nothing. This writing and selling thing is nothing because I got to see I pushed my body through pain and everything else just felt muted, for lack of a better term.
1: But I wanted to talk for a second about that, though. I mean, obviously, you had you, you had some and maybe still do some raw athletic gifts. But what what was the spark there? Because, I mean, you said at 22, you just said, OK, I'll try boxing. But at 22, you were no good at boxing and people were, were already probably hitting you. And you, were, and it was exhausting. I mean, I, I've done a boxing routine before once in my life, and it was just the most exhausting thing I've ever done. If you just even punch a bag for a minute, you can't believe it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, what was the spark there that where you were like, "Oh, wait a minute i I was there a moment where you thought I, I could actually do this professionally, or did it even start like that at all? Was it just a hobby?
2: Pretty, pretty much what happened. How I got into boxing is you know, I was I was dating somebody for. From, from 18 to 22. And I was going through this phase at this point where I was, I was really against college. Well, I'm still against college. The difference is uh, my opinion carries weight now because I have a degree. I'm not just, <laughs> I, it's not sour grape syndrome. Anymore, right. You know, when I say it, uh, but, th- but this was a really poor, you know, poor choice of person to rail around because she was a college professor, the girl's mother. And one day she said to me, she says, okay. Well, you tell you say college is worthless, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, well, what have you done for four years? What have you done in the time you haven't gone to college? And that stung because she was she was right. I mean, I look, you can know you can protect your ego for as long as you want, but but if you if you're trying to become better as a man, I think you have to face reality and then adapt to reality and I obviously was, she was like, i was like you know you're right i don't have sweat equity anywhere so i got kicked out and went home crying and then i said you know what i'm what I, what do i want to do right now well, well i'm too broke i gotta pay for bill pay pay bills you know i gotta work but I can, I can start boxing that's what i'll put some equity into and i don't know really and this was right around when youtube started and i was always fascinated with fighting but my mom wouldn't let me fight so there's that uh, so I found the gym and my attitude when I entered the gym was I'm going to get beat out of this place. Now I don't know if how good I am, or how good I can be, but I'm not going to quit. I said, I'll just keep sticking around, keep getting better. Unless I'm like, I mean, I got like two left feet and a chin made of glass like that was going to be. What would have taken me out? But fortunately, not only did I not have those things, uh turns out I, I had a lot of a lot of good natural power. I didn't have, you know, the technique I had to develop behind it, but I had had a few quick successes and the quick successes keep you around longer. Right. Uh, if if you've got the right mentality kind of developed, and I and I, I think I had got good enough for any hour to go. Okay, I I did this. How much farther can I go? And I wasn't really willing to quit after two years. You know, I'm I'm invested at the, with the energy. I'm like, Let's see how far I can go. And I had a lot of great lucky breaks along the way, two in particular, and it just um,
1: kept me around even further and allowed my skills to develop even greater. And from that fir- from that first practice that first time walking in that gym when how long was it till you had the like an actual real fight uh,
2: uh, I think, uh i actually think i have this roughly uh oct- september ish i remember it was like fall so september is when i first walked in and my first amateur fight was the sub novice category of the local glo- golden
1: gloves and that was in january oh wow so you had an actual amateur fight four months, about four or five months later. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But going to, well, well, here's the thing. They don't So, in the amateur boxing ranks, they have three categories, sub novice, which is zero to three fights novice, which is four to 11 and then open class, you know, 11 plus. And if if, if everyone's going by the book, I actually think you can't anyway fight down unless they explicitly say, like, like you got like a standout killer and you are, you're just looking to get some fights or whatever. Um, They'll let let somebody open, fight someone, novice. But sub-novices generally don't fight up. And so I was a sub-novice. It was my first fight. He was a sub-novice. It was his first fight. So you go in there, you throw some fist, boom.
0: (laughs) I think that's super important, is that exact part. And I think that relates to exactly Math, and you said that you had some early successes that kept you going, and you noted that because you have real feedback for something like boxing right away. You can see your own progress right away, and then if you have some early successes that are motivating to you internally, you're off and running, and that's true about anything – That you learn or are trying to do. And so when you take that classroom environment, especially with something like math, there's no possibility for that. You can't can't be in the 8th grade and have some huge motivational victory. I mean, there's very, very few things that can happen where you can feel like, wow, I'm really doing this and it's great. And I had a huge... Because there's no stakes. There's no skin in the game. And so to fight another boxer who's also his first fight, the stakes aren't really that high. But the potential... To actually learn something or have a big win for yourself that's motivating makes all the difference. If you could have that kind of breakthrough in math early at a low level, I think it often comes in the form of maybe parental encouragement or something like that. But you're built for that. You're built to get right into it. Grab your skateboard. Go try to drop in. You're either going to fall or if, or you're going to figure it out after four times. And if you do, you won't be able to stop because you have, have accomplished something. And you will know it. And then that's where your motivation is going to come from for there. and I think the classroom environment strips that out almost matter-of-factly. The best you could do is get a good grade from the teacher, and nobody ever cares about that.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, well, well, I, I think the best thing I did was not take school seriously until I was 28. Because at that point, uh, one, I'm there for a reason. I'm not just there because it it feels like uh, the natural continuation out of high school. So I'm there for a reason. And and I've got got real stakes that are important to me. Mm -hmm. But I've also now at this point got a little experience learning, failing, how to study, how to focus, how to practice, how to think. That's really important. So if I'm going to come in and do something, and, and it's intimidating as heck. Because, because it was doubly 20, because I had told myself for so long that I was uh, a person that lacked the, I, the, the math gene mm-hmm, mystery. Exactly. Right? told myself that for so long. And the classroom does nothing. It's, it's not their job to encourage you, I guess, maybe depending on who you ask. But I had to go and dig and find that myself. And, and I was just taking little, little victories. And and also making sure I had a a correct aiming point. You know, I think a lot of my failures early on trying to learn math was an incorrect aiming point. But when I say that, what I mean is I was trying to uh, memorize a lot of stuff. No one taught me how to learn. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but one of the things boxing did was it really taught me how to learn, how to practice, how to get better, how to get good. Because everything about the, the great thing about boxing is you can't learn anything. Uh, in isolation, you have to learn it on the fly while you're fighting. I mean, like, are or, or perfected rather. You can learn how to throw the jab correctly and, and the mechanics behind them, but you need to be able to do that under fire. Moving your footwork, defending, staying out the way, taking a hit, being in pain, everything. That type of environment. That's that's the real environment. okay. if you can do it under that environment, standing in front of a bag and popping off it is easy. And that's what should happen after a certain point is that a boxer should start to get diminishing returns from isolated practice to the point where it turns into something else entirely. But by the the end of my career, we were using a heavy bag for conditioning, not to practice Mm -hmm. uh, throwing shots. A classroom is like the exact opposite. It's like there's no real consequences for anything, but you're gonna, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna treat you like there are. We're going to grade you, and we're going to tell you these grades are going to determine the outcome of your entire life. And we're going to give you all that stress, but we're not all, but there, but there's no environment to make you better. We're not gonna, we're not gonna give you enough live sparring, i.e., you know, real problems. There's some homework you can do on your own. But if, if no one's there showing you how to think. When I was tutoring kids, the first we we all of my tutoring, all of the success, and I was I was very successful, I think, and, and we at our great success and how the kids performed, I was very successful because I would have the kids sit there and I was like, tell me how you're doing this problem. Yes. Tell me what you're thinking, what is going on here. And I was like, once we correct the thought process, like I, if, if it was, you know, if I was a, a terrible tutor or teacher, I was like, all right, that's wrong, and here's why. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's let's look at the thought process and run through it. That's what a coach would do for you if you were sparring, if you were training. That always stuck with me. The best boxing coaches, even the mediocre ones, there's really no way to impart fighting knowledge without doing it that way. There are some that are obviously better than others, but that whole uh, process of instruction really stuck with me, and I took that and used it not only myself, but later to help other people in the classroom about me.
1: You're right. The grading system in school is—it feels so arbitrary. Like, why would I really be that upset if I got a B or C, as opposed to an A? The the actual—I mean, unless I thought, oh, this is going to get me into the the seriously highest echelon of colleges. You know, I'm going to get into Harvard. But that was never going to happen to me anyway. Yeah, and there, you're that, not left that, that, with no, no any of the learning. There was no delusion from teachers or anyone that that was going to happen to me. And so the teacher's goal is to get me through their class so it looks good on their... Hey, look how many people that they pass. You know what I mean? That, that's what, that, that's their goal. I mean, they may, you're right. Depending on who you ask, there are definitely teachers that want to help and, and mean a lot. I, I just spoke with one of my sixth grade teachers who meant a lot to me. There's the, you know, those few, Matt says this all the time. Everybody has that one teacher, but that seems so sad. There's one teacher that you had. Yeah. Your I know. whole it's education like, that really changed your life. Wouldn't it be one. good? If, what if there were two? Yeah. I you know, know. what, if, what right. about 10? You know, something like that. And the, and the whole idea of the, the grading scale really sets you up for, I guess it doesn't really matter. I I can be mediocre and keep moving right along, and and so what 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 is the the only way you could do better would be to be self motivated, but the education process does not encourage self motivation. Try it out of you,
2: yeah. In many ways, penalizes you. (laughs) Yeah, well, it coaches
0: you into thinking that you either got it or don't. It's that myth. Like, I mean, I'm good at a few things now, but I promise you, I was bad at all of them, and it never have. I'm a musician now, but I was identified as not having musical talent as a child.
2: You know, oh, for sure.
0: And I do have it. I just had to find it myself, but I was thought and it was told to me and by myself and others that I don't have this talent. I can't do that. I'm not math is one of those. I'm quite good at math. I just thought I wasn't. Like there's some talent versus ability to learn and sit in discomfort or have an interest in a thing and become great at it, which is really describes anybody being smart helps a little bit, but you know, it's
2: more like right. that. You know, when when you when you it, First, there's a, a great saying that I always, occasionally, I'll pop it out on Twitter, and I don't remember where I heard it from. Uh, but the the saying is, you know, uh, after ten years of hard work, talent may suddenly appear. Right, and right. Th- that always <laughs> stuck with me, and really helped push me along. And you know, it, we're not there. Th- there's there's so much. We, we what do I want to say? We glamorize the idea of prodigal success. The idea that if you're naturally good at something, that we're gonna make this a big deal. No one. And what we really should be focusing on are the people who grinded it out. Like that's. I think that's inspiring to, to, to by definition, average the most people you encounter because they can look at someone and go, "This person, they they were just like me." Nothing special, nothing gifted, nothing beautiful about them. But then they rose to great heights. And I think that's that is that—that's far more powerful. But, you know, you're right. You know, the, the way it, everything is treated is, is, okay, you got these special gifts, boom, you're in this box. Oh, you don't have these special gifts they are going to put you over here. Even when I was in high school, they had everything they had that's things right. separated that You'd way. You'd be in
0: fourth grade and right. think, I'm a person who knows for a fact I'm not good at and don't like math. You can't know that when you're eight. Right, there's nobody in the world who should know that they are not good at math and can't do it when they're eight. No, but you already do know that the narratives are already fixed by by the external stuff. It's nonsense.
2: And and not only you know with that, uh, there's another issue as well. And this is something I encountered uh, when I really got into foreign languages, is that. The teaching mechanisms are so bad, and the people who teach are so bad. They don't they they don't have the patience now, now sometimes it's not their fault. They don't have the ability, you know, and what I mean the ability, I mean, they don't have the resources. They don't have the the time they need to really give a subject the the treatment it deserves to make sure people can grasp it. And I didn't realize that till I until I sat and looked kind of how they teach foreign language. And, and I think about the, 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 the two other ones that I'm, I'm comfortable in Spanish and Portuguese, and how did that come about? That came about in a very different way than they, go, they teach it in, in school. And math is, is the same way as well, I think. I think, I think there are certain things. There are, there are two kinds of subjects that we are introduced to in our learning. We're introduced to one, things that we can more or less survive via memorization. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to draw conclusions and lessons from the from the from World War Two or whatever. But, but for the most part, it's, you know, dates and facts. OK. And that's easy. And that's where people feel like they're going to shine. I, I memorized this. I got a higher grade. I feel good. And then there are things where you got to you got to learn how to think math, foreign language and music are the, the three big areas where people go. I just don't have it. And the reality is, OK, maybe if you have it. If you have it, we put that in air quotes. Then you're going to pick up some of these patterns without the proper instruction, or introduction. Just as what intelligence is—the ability to recognize and manipulate a pattern. But if they knew how to teach these said patterns, they could do a lot more. The Russians—I love, I love this story. I mean, there's a lot of bad uh, involved in in communist Russia, but what the the reason they 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 owned the world in. What chess and and ballet dance performance and yep. and and music because they figured out how to teach these things. Same with the Cubans in boxing. There's something on a side note. Any communist place has to bolster its superiority somehow in an inferior system, and that's why it's done. Which is why the best. Freaking baseball players and boxers come from Cuba, but it's Cuba and the best chess players and musicians, uh, classical musicians, uh, ballet dancers come from Russia. You know, but it's Russia. All right. Or, or rather all the USSR it, it, what it was. And but, the, but they had a great system, the Russian School of Chess.
0: How what is different in their in their learning method or teaching method as far as you understand it?
2: It's okay. So as far as I understand, for, for boxing, we'll just use the boxing in Cuba. They have them in, and they have them in there. And it's all learning uh, the hard way. Kind of the hard way is not <laughs> the best way to put it. It's all learning uh, in steps, but with a real world feedback. You never get used to things coming to you a certain way with a concrete answer. As far as I understand about the the so the Soviet uh, school of chess they identify like the the for example you, we know the decisions you have to make on the chessboard it's not so much let's memorize a bunch of openings it's what's the idea behind the opening move and so they teach that like like well, my teacher is is very much an american but he's an american international master and he teaches me the same way all of the strong players get taught which is it's you, you're not looking for the move that the computer is going to say and memorize it. That's, kind of, that's probably impossible, right? Instead, you're looking at the situation on hand. You're given a set of criteria to judge the position. And then you make the best move possible. And usually when you do that, you know, I run I run my games to the analysis and in, in the uh, chess.com. chess dot com. Yeah, you scored above 90 if you if you if you're doing this well. Now I'm not I don't have any of these moves memorized, I couldn't. Instead what I'm learning is, is a way to think about chess. Just like I'm learning a way mm-hmm. to fight. Yes. I'm the learning meta, a w-
0: metacognition part of it, really, and the, the abstract and the how it works and the mechanical parts behind it that then yeah, you can far- take out and exercise yourself.
2: And I'm not a, I'm not a musician, but as far as I understand about music, you learn a, a bunch of you know some scales, right? And the way those things work together, and then what you can do once you once you understand how the notes work together and how they don't work together, you know what sounds good and what doesn't. You can play music without sheet music in front of you, but if you have sheet music in front of you, you know that it's likely written with a certain key or scale in mind so you know kind of where your hands should be positioned based on what they tell you the scale is or the key is for the song. I think, I think music I think
1: is, is in that some, way. Yeah, go ahead, yeah I was going to say, in some, in some ways, I, way less painful, I would, I would think <laughs> the way that boxing and music, the way you would learn them would be similar. You sit down with your guitar or your keyboard and you, you play some notes and then you go, oh, that one was bad. Hold on no this one's right and then you could stay there you could stay with three chords and it would be fine you might could even write a song but then it's Wait a minute. I can go this much further. Like you, you, you learn your jab, you learn your footwork a little bit, and but you could stay there and you'd just be whatever. But then it's taking that next step of wait a minute. Let me add a new chord on here. Wait a minute. Well, how does this fit here? What if I, I change this up? What if I move this way? Or did I, I? I could see it being you know in some way similar, just way less painful.
0: <laughs> it, it's uh there's something in there for sure where you're saying the pain of of you playing the notes and guessing and thinking oh this will be good and then it's not good and you hear it you are. Already have a visceral opinion about that yourself when you get right. something wrong on a math test you go huh? who cares is it right yeah. or wrong? Right. there's nothing to it and then you go into boxing you feel the pain of getting punched versus the pain of hearing an awful sound and it's embarrassing and then you ramp it up you go to an open mic and you sing in front of somebody you think you're good in the bedroom and then you go holy shit i'm not good did you hear that in front of people <laughs> and now you're in the feedback environment and the stand-up comedy is the same it's like this is funny i'm funny Oh, no, I'm not. This, right. I, I, this a, you don't Wait. get that in a classroom, yeah. and that's where, that's the thing that's always missing. And maybe something you're saying about the Russian approach, I hadn't thought about that before, but those things that the communists or other countries do well, they're competitive in nature. Like they train for the Olympics at very high levels as well, or ballet. It's things where you can measure yourself, and it's more of coaching and training that relies on your own internal competitiveness for something versus external memorization or performance or something like that.
2: Right. One of the things that that's really uh, there's a great book. I, I wish I could. I think it's called something about hotspots of talent around the world. And and the reason why these places produce these great people is because everyone is doing it. So you'll you'll find like anyone with even the the slightest genetic talent is going to stand out. Over a field of people who already know the rules and are playing as best as they can anyway. Mm-hmm. So you know now that's something we ain't we don't have that even close. And then it'll be a it'll be a long time uh, before we do it. But that's the reason. What is the what is the uh, the Singapore math system? <laughs> which which uh, I uh, I think it's called Singapore. I'm not sure, but I know it's a math system from Asia that everyone's, you know, raves about and you know, I'm sure it it does a great job. And one of the reasons it does a great job is it's standardized. You know, well back when we had standardized tests, whatever, uh, there there was probably a good it probably started out as a good idea. But, like all good ideas, when taken to scale uh, and are about getting everyone to do it and conform to a thing, and you introduce money, it becomes corrupt and relatively useless. But when you do what when you standardize a thing, when you get a bunch of people to do it, you you very quickly are able to pick out the people who probably have a little more talent. And, and you know, nourish them and push them along. And I think that's what happens in this country. Everyone – I had a friend of mine – not a friend, someone I was just talking to via Twitter. And they were saying how, you know, because of the old Eastern Bloc, everyone in Norway – uh, is it still um plays chess and or at a at an early oh no it's not because of that. It's a, it's a combination of that, but it's because Magnus Carlson is from uh the the current world chess champion. So everyone is like, well okay everyone should try chess because it's like the net it's like basketball, but in in America, you know, right. it's chess so you quit.
3: That's why there's Steph Curry over there. Probably. Right. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I wanted to, right. so, well, let's, let's go here. Uh, so like we said, Ed, we're in a rock band and your story resonates with me because, uh, so once I found out about you, I had to know why you stopped boxing. And I wa- I watched that last, well, it, well, I guess it wasn't your last fight. The one, uh, I was really surprised because you fought uh, Tommy Morrison's son. What is it? Yeah. Is it, trey trey
2: morrison trey
1: lippe morrison and i i mean i i mean rocky movies are my maybe all-time favorite movies and that movie i just remembered tommy morrison and him being an actual you know real fighter in real life and not not bad at all you know his life turned to shit kind of because of drugs and women and all that stuff uh just abusive guy but uh i watched that fight and uh so the the fight folks it's out there but not yeah, they I, find but, it. Yeah, if, if they want to, but it's interesting because when I watched the fight, when you got hit, your face, I resonated with it unbelievably. So not because I, like I said, that you were f- physically in uh, feeling something more, but our our third album, uh, we thought it was going to be it. Like you, like you had said leading up to that. Like I think you had gotten signed to Rock Nation. This yeah. was like one of you, one of the first or. televised fights for you right yeah like it like this is a big deal in oklahoma you're fighting tommy morrison's son there's a lot of people there they're all cheering him it's funny when they cheer him they're holding up the signs and you you know nobody's pulling for you at all uh, around your your corner your your guys are clapping nobody else it seemed like in the audience was clapping for you at all and uh they were all there for morrison and we so with our third album i thought it was going to be our breakthrough we had, our first two albums had done great. The third album was going to go through the to the moon. We were about you know we were going to get paid finally. We were going to yeah. We we who knows maybe a song would end up on the radio. It was going to be all these things, and it came out and it was a just the most disappointment. Now it, it still was fine. So in your in that moment. Like when when you got hit and knocked down, and I was listening to one of your talks, you said you thought you had slipped, and yeah, you said I thought you went back I, I thought you. I slipped,
2: and I looked at it, I was like, Wow, I did not slip at you all. Did
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> right, I got hit, but it's funny in your face. So much is going across your face in that moment. I, I I could just see like it was like I'm here in this moment, and something just happened. And wait a minute, I got to fight again. I, I got to keep moving. I got to fight this guy again, and everything. Is riding on this it, This was it, it looked like on your face Was Everything had been leading up To this moment And I thought it was going to turn out A certain way And now Wait It's not Like I could see It almost felt like that way And I felt exactly that way About our album I thought Everything we had done We would worked so hard Like we, we started in South Carolina We moved to Seattle To get away from South Carolina Because nobody cared about our music We had given so much We had toured Not made any money All this stuff And I was like Yeah this is going to be it This is what I'm The thing that I'm expecting Is, is right in our grasp and then I'm feeling it, and I was seeing it like that with you. Was that what did that weight feel like? Like you had gotten there, and and I mean, what was that like?
2: <laughs> um, so so this is probably going to run a little counter to
1: the way you expect to hear. Okay, so,
2: so, okay in the moment, I I mean. <laughs> that's that i can i I can still remember how i felt in the moment because i had to watch the rest of the car like i couldn't leave i had to get paid all right hanging out right hanging out beat up people still looking at me and shit like like it's (laughs) this is like it's not like you can't slink in this man that meant mental toughness from boxing you can't slink into the corner Yeah. yeah you gotta like sit there right okay so i'm like well okay, that sucks, I lost, and it was in a really embarrassing nature. Then, then, you know, I don't have all the followers I have now. I don't even have a 10th of the followers I have now. But uh, people are still mean on the internet, man, just coming out. I I had enough to where, like, people were were harassing me. Uh, But my biggest worry, to be totally honest with you, was, I was like, "How, how am I gonna pay for the rest of my life? Because I, because I knew, like I knew they were gonna cut me. There like they couldn't justify keeping me after that long. You knew that immediately, like, I, like I knew it immediately. I said to my handler, I said, "Yeah, man, it's been nice working with you." Because they sent out a guy, the the, the pro agency sends out a guy to pay a handle everything. And he goes, he goes, uh, you know, don't be so certain. I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm pretty pretty sure. Don't don't BS me. Like I know, I don't know, I'm not I'm not in the game like you, but but I know business. They gotta get rid of me. And, and but by the time I got home, uh I was there was a, a speed delivered. It was not like normal mail. Like nah, you're out, peace. Have a good day. Have a good life, right? Um. So so that you know, that sucked. Being kicked out and losing my money and all that. And uh, but but there was all and it wasn't really a weight lifted off my shoulders because I I had that coming on my shoulders. But I, I think at that point in my life, I I. I was really grateful for a lot of the other things that I had done and put in motion. Like like when that fight happened, I had taken that semester off from school so I could focus on boxing, right? The joke is, you know, what good that did, right? But <laughs> I knew like now I had a place to go afterwards, which was all right. I'm going to enroll in school. And we actually, you know, it was funny. We we worked out because that it was it was a really odd bit in the contract deal. And we we felt like we got shafted and they kind of agreed. So we actually worked out. They were they were guaranteed. I had for I was I think I was supposed to fight his brother next. Uh guaranteed, right? Um, no matter what the outcome. But my my manager said you should fight one more time in between because if you have two losses in a row, it's gonna be almost impossible to do anything with you of note moving forward. So that's where that second fight came in. And I had that second fight in December, and I didn't want to take that fight because I was, well, one, I had to work. And I had the the worst job at this point. Like, when people talk about how Amazon treats my, <laughs> treats people, man, <laughs> I worked in the factory for two months, and I was on the road for, Or, or was it? I lost on September 23rd. I had about a month of money left. Uh, so, so it was about a month, right? Um, I worked in the factory. Three, the box shipping plan they were overtime i did that for two weeks and then i got on the road delivering trucks and i delivered delivering for the truck and i was like oh i'm on the road yay no it, like man the the ability to get So, so here's what the company did they didn't want you on the road at night so you, you had to be there ready to hit your shift off running at like 5 a.m as the sun's coming up and then you had to get it done. Like if you didn't get the packages and that was bad and they usually went over what was capable for the amount of time you gave. What made me quit that job, and this is all related to, to, the, to, to the Philly, is that there was actually a malfunction and the truck rolled down the hill into someone's driveway. Thank goodness no one was out because it was like six in the morning. But then they sent me on – they picked me up on another vehicle, and I still had to deliver They didn't, like, check if I was drinking or anything like they're supposed to. They just was like, get out of here, man. We got bottom line to So, So, like, like when I look at that stuff on Amazon, I'm like, yeah, man, look, it it ain't the best place to work. But but so all that's happening. But I know I got to – you know, I'm like, let me just enroll back in school. And that's how I got involved in tutoring. Unlike a lot of people that lose, uh, I knew – that I had some place to go. I didn't necessarily know how I was going to make the money I needed to survive, but I had a plan still. Yeah. Second, I was so fed up because it becomes – because now you're not doing it for fun anymore, and I think I liked it. I think I was serious enough, but not tal- – or rather, I was – I knew that I had a life beyond boxing, and so I'm doing everything else to make sure that when that life comes – I'm not stuck in a miserable place. And but no one wants to hear that. The coach is like you got to come train. The the, the teachers like I don't care that you box. You got to make sure you perform. The the people I drill for the army they don't they don't care. They're like well, actually they did care. They worked with me a lot of times. But um most most places were like you're going to give 100% cuz usually people in these situations give 100%. So I I'm, I'm pulled and split apart. So I was very relieved when I, when I fought my second fight to a draw, I was like, this is the best possible exit. I can leave, and if I decide to come back, I only have one loss, and I can do something with it. And I was actually on my way back. I, I was after uh, 2018, because all of 17, I was off, recovering. I needed to recover. It turns out I had, like, a bunch of concussions, and my balance was all messed up and everything. It right. uh, took, took about a year to recover came back and I got injured when I was coming back and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go do something else. But when I took that loss, that loss was, was more relieving than it really? was worth. Yeah. Like, I think it like the emotions probably 50, 50, but as time went on, I said, okay, I can actually focus on, cause I, I told people all the time. I said, I'm going to make my first million in writing, not sports. Mark my words on that. Now I haven't made my first million either way, but I made a heck of a ton more money than I ever would have made in fighting because I know what guys get paid at all yeah. levels. For me to make more money than I'm making now, I'd have to be fighting for a world title,
3: yeah,
2: and not and not challenge and, and, and fighting for it like as coming in as as a uh, defender, um, not as an initial challenger, like uh-huh. so. Like the game is that's a very hard sport, but it's done so much for me outside of my life. But that loss, when I had that loss, the, the emotions, you know, it it sucked and it was embarrassing. But I was more worried about the rest of my life. And I think that was in many ways the thing that's got me where I am now, but probably kept me from being super great. Because I, I it never made sense for me to sell myself out completely to boxing because I knew I because I cause I once when, when I saw the business model, I said, okay. So, 97% of the money is in the top 3%. And it's probably a little more skewed. Carl Frotch, the, uh, the, the world champion of, of I, I think he was a middleweight, uh, put out a, a book about this. And he talked about uh, the money made in boxing. And he goes, Most fighters, they got to get like real like jobs after fighting. And to be competitive enough to make it make sense, you're not doing anything else when you fight. So, you're not developing right. skills. I'm very different on the fact, that, like, and this this was a, a point of contention many times with my coach. Now he's really happy that I did it because because I can walk away from the sport and like be okay. Uh, but but when I was fighting, it was a point of contention. It was like, how, how are you going to do this and do that? How are you going to do this and do that? And and in my mind, I'm thinking, look, I really don't. I'm not going to stop doing it either. I'm too good for you to kick me out right now. So. Um, I'm to just keep pushing and pushing to see where it goes. But i mend them to do what I'm telling you. And, and you know what's funny? I was telling telling somebody uh, who messaged me, "Like, why'd you quit boxing? You were thirteen and one." And I go, "The only people who ask that question are people who ain't never laced up gloves because <laughs> if, once you know the game, you know that if you got a way to leave that game, yeah. Uh, and you're like, like if you're you're when you see guys who are like." eight, you know, with, with two losses fighting on TV, those guys, I I can guarantee you probably 90% of them wish they could be somewhere else. And, and, you know, they, they like the spotlight. They like being there to fight. But what I mean is they know that one that probably the odds of them winning, they're not going to win. That's what they were brought in. Uh, But they got a good record, so it's a good sell. You know, my value as a fighter, this is the most ridiculous thing. My value as a fighter skyrocketed when I lost. I had guys calling me $20,000, $30,000 fights. And I'm like, huh. And I had heard this because now I've got a record, but I look vulnerable. I've got a great marketable record, 13 and one but I look like I can lose. So let's bring this guy and build our other guy up. And I could have went that route. But I gave but I could you could only walk that path once. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and that after been that it. after that next loss, your value, you know, it's like driving a car off the lot and crashing it and then trying to sell it back.
0: hmm That's a good analogy for it. So and it's really good too how it worked out. Like you said, you couldn't have made as much being a boxer at that level as you do with your career now in books especially which means you must be doing really well with your books so I wanted to talk Man, about some of them
2: I am I, I am great uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm not and, and more importantly than, than being good now uh, because I'll because I know growth is growth you got to always grow you got to always expand every every fan is a potential supporter and that keeps the game going and then it inspires you because and I mention that because I can see that the the growth is really kicking up. I've done a lot on my own, and I can continue to do a lot more. Because because like because once you once you see how it works, you see how it works, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't unsee it. So like I know what to do and what not to do. And now I'm getting into another one. Well, I'm pulling in even more help now. I can afford to hire people and work with other Like like the the first book, not caring what other people think, is a superpower. That was a one hundred percent a solo effort and you know I had people lend me their time of their good heart to read it and try and catch typos but they're not editors the book's full of typos I'm in the process of rewriting and reworking it right now because I'm I'm a better writer and I have more resources the next major book that I produced after that the sober letters to my drunken self, that's a beautiful product. It's got great typefacing. I had three editors, I had a great cover, I had I had a copy editor as well to make sure all the wording was good and I was explaining to myself. Well, that's a great product. And it and, and it came from my heart too, which is important. Because uh I, I could have wrote on any number of things, but writing about sobriety is not necessarily the most profitable project but it was important to me and because it was important to me I poured my heart into it and now it is you know it it's it's earning back every day you know five or six copies a new review that at the end of the month that adds up because yeah. you get paid by Amazon at the end of the month. The ebook game though the ebook game is incredible if you have a specialized skill and you can move that through social media you know it, it's it's like print money on demand. It, it, I looked because my, my my girlfriend is involved in the travel uh, industry, and they are rocked. I mean, we are a single income home for sure for the few a few more months, right? Yeah, at least. And I yeah. and I looked at it and I said, okay, because I had just started putting a bunch of money into the remodeling of my website, and we needed to move. I was over in Europe, and, and we left because of the evacuation plus the virus, and came back. And I said, all right, I got to make sure I'm good. And so I went and I looked at my products and I said, okay, let's construct a sale. Now, I'm not a copywriter and I'm not a marketer, but I know enough to where the principles don't work against me. And I think as a, as a business owner or a creative, you have to assume responsibility as a general. You don't have to be a specialist, but you should know a lot about, a li- or a little about a lot. And if you can do that, you can carry yourself. So I said, okay, boom. And I did that and, and it's been like print money. And but but more than that, I'm printing it in a way that's really giving people value. I get get, every time I do it, I get more testimonials. This is great. This is great. Allows me to do it again. And and it really is a great, great living. You know, I I, I tell people all the time, just work the math out simply. We'll use my smallest bit of exposure, which is probably my mailing list right at at 17000 people. If I can convert one percent of them to a fifty dollar offer once per month, that's 170 people once per month. Life is good. Mm-hmm. At $50, life is once per month. That's that's okay. But I'm not using just that. And I'm not just using the $50 offer. I have $15,000 on Twitter. And uh, my IG's got almost $18,000. And my website gets 40,000 visitors per month at this point. And this is all built, built. I mean, just time, 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 build, 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 time, 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 build, 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 and there's some ups and downs. But now um, I'm really happy. And then because of this, I can take time off and work on things that I want to work on. Like I can write the, and not that I've ever not done that. But but if if I'm gonna write a fiction book, right? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna take the opportunity cost and write a fiction book, which is what I want to do, what it's probably not gonna sell as well as a, as a as a guide on marketing or another book about. Uh, mindset, but I don't really need to worry because the money's in the bank already. I can go work on something I'm passionate
0: about. Well, can can we talk about the book, "The Sober Letters to My Drunken Self" and sobriety?
2: Oh, absolutely! I love that book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that, I think that's really interesting and in line with some of the other things you say too. And also, uh I'm recently sober myself.
2: Oh, well done, man! Ask well, me how long oh, man, since how Sunday. Long. <laughs> oh, no,
0: kidding. but but there's a little more to that i i hadn't i quit drinking um about you know nine months ago in the way where i finally had made some life changes and discipline changes and got to the point where i could say okay so all those i did have a relationship with alcohol that i always said i didn't have that really was real in the way that people talk about when they're talking about And AA and all that stuff. I okay, that is that is fair enough to say that's me. I can admit that now. I got to the point where I could admit that, and so I hadn't been drinking or anything. And then, uh, but but I had a pretty good grip on it for the most part, and I I could drink here or there, but pretty much had laid it down and had broken that relationship with alcohol for six eight months. But I would drink once in a while, and I didn't even have the taste for it. And I thought, man, I've got this discipline over this thing. And then when with the pandemic, being stuck at home, I decided. I was trying to exercise hard and just do everything. And I started eating sugar again. And then I, d- I had a drink or two with my wife in the evening. Cause we're just stuck during the pandemic and lockdown. And then I look up as six weeks later and I've been drinking every single day and it's terrible and I'm not getting anything done. And I feel like shit. And so I just, at this Sunday I stopped again and I'm all like day, th- I'm on the third day. I'm not drinking again. So that's where I'm at at this moment. But it's the thing I never was able to do before. Uh, you know, it, the 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 way the labels work there are you alcoholic or not I always found to be really uh, difficult and you talk yeah. about blaming it on an addictive personality and and that's taking the easy way out like I have this disease or I don't so I find right. that territory very fascinating
2: because here's the thing when I when I looked at my drinking I said okay so my problem was. One, I didn't like the person I was under the influence. I hated having to. Not only do I hate that person, but because of the way I'm wired, uh, I couldn't just blame it on the alcohol. Now, intellectually, I realize it's a poison and it's robbing me of my will. And there's all kinds of studies that show uh, you don't, you, you can't interpret people's body language correctly. You know, it just it gets all messed up, right? Uh, I know that, but it was hard for me to accept that. A substance could alter me that way, but I knew this, okay, and I didn't like that. And then I realized that I didn't know how to enjoy life without alcohol. That really bugged me. And you know, I don't, I don't know if I ever was. Uh, you know, there was a, a small period where I was probably, you know, drinking much like that, and it had nothing to do with being confined. It was, it was out of loneliness. Uh, but I said I need to get this under control. And I looked at, I looked at everything in my life. This is the, the timing is really crucial here because I came home from my military training and, and now I'm in the military. My professional boxing career is going on. I had just met, uh, I had just met the girlfriend who I'm still with. This was eight years ago and, and I'm enrolled in school. And I said, okay. I got a real chance to change my life around. You know, the person who drank like that before made these these risks, um, I'm lucky I'm not in jail. Right. I I really felt that way. and I said, let's not push it. Let's see what can happen. Let's see how far we can go. Because I said, if I'm doing the same thing, I just have I was twenty eight. I said, if I'm doing the same thing at 33, I felt I like I've I, I was able to project myself into the future. I don't know if you have ever seen the Matrix, in the Matrix, the first Matrix when they capture Neo and they're taking him to meet, uh, or rather when they when they when they pick up Neo and they're about to pull the bug out of his stomach and they take him to see Morpheus for the first time and he's like, no nah, man, I'm out of here. And Trinity's like, nah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go down that road, Neo. You know where it ends, and you know you don't want to be there. That always, that you know, that really, when I seen that again, that stuck with me, and I was like, okay, that is pretty much what happened. And I looked at the future and said, you, you got, you got one more shot, man. You like 28. What are you gonna do? Um, and I said, let me, let me get it out of the way. And I used to tell, I, I put the carrot in front of my face. I said. All right. Once you once you have published a book and graduated, you can drink again. But a funny thing happened. The longer I went without drinking, I was accomplishing more. I liked who I was more. And then people started writing me, uh, talking about their issues because I wrote about mine. And I realized that I had been. Uh, I was better able to look at myself. you gotta have some distance, and you're be- you're better able to see how you thought or uh, what you valued what you did and and I was like wow this is this is crazy like I mean maybe I should leave this alone for good but it wasn't a hard decision at that point because I was so busy doing all this stuff that that, that was why I stopped and then when I said okay this is a real life decision now no no issues uh, whatsoever in that regard but I I did not label myself for that and I always thought that label was very it keeps people, yeah. It's like, it's like, what are the solutions if you think you drink too much? Right. It's like AA or maybe join a religion. Right. People are not very comfortable just going, I don't want to drink. Right. What's the old joke? Alcohol is the only drug where if you don't use it, they think you have a problem. Right. That's how people respond right. to it these days. And, and one of the things I wanted to do with my book is I wanted, I wanted to be kind of a voice to people who were like, okay, I don't want to do this, or I want to step back, but I don't want the stigma, and I want somebody to talk to me about kind of their experiences. That's where the title came from. It's like, if I could write to myself when I was going through that time, I mean, because it was confusing. I was like, "All right, am I? Do I have an issue? Do I not have an issue? Uh, what are people going to think of me? How do I live now that I don't have this thing that everyone else makes the center of their social interaction?" There were all of these things, and I just, you know. I I figured it out the hard way. And then once I felt really comfortable, um, I had to write the book. I, I had to. It's like like it's one of those things like that that uh I would not feel good if I didn't write about it. And then I didn't realize this until we were working on my website. I, I think the, the major single category on my website, I think I have like six articles about about different aspects of sobriety didn't even mean to it's just like what is important because if i made it through something like that right and i know that everyone else or i know there's a lot of people based on some research i did uh, i know there's a lot of people who have issues Uh, if i can give something back if i can help somebody you know keep keep from getting behind the wheel or not ruin a, a potential great relationship uh, by by getting their drinking under control, if they can look at me and see I did it, I think that is that is well worth all of the wonderful support uh, that I've received back on you know for, from people who who, who may drink and don't even care. They're just like this is good. I'm gonna buy this book for some people, or I like something else by you. I don't need that book. I'm gonna pay for it. It's kind of you know it lets me give back. Do you think now,
0: there's something wrong with the disease model and looking at it as either you have it or you don't have it, like this disease yep. of alcoholism?
2: Because, because look, um, I don't remember who said it, and it, this is uh, stuck with me. And I'm, but I'm paraphrasing. But a lot of times when you see uh, extreme behavior like that, that even that looks uh, addictive, that looks obsessive, a lot of times what you're seeing is the the coping mechanism for some type of trauma. And when we start talking about you got a you got a disease, you're an addict. When we we're, we're man, we're not treating the issue. Right. It's like looking at dead leaves on a tree and going, you know what's wrong? Your branches are messed up. Like, no, the issue is something that the tree is consuming, something in its roots are incorrect or wrong. And we need to deal with that. And I think, you know, I, I had to deal with a lot of my own trauma, kind of play, play therapist for myself and then continue to work through things. But I think many people, and we, we know this, we know what are the risk factors for, for, uh, Substance abuse, people who are abused as children are the the biggest risk factors, right? And but well, we don't want to talk about that. It's a lot easier to 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 demonize a person. In other words, you know, I, I think you know, addiction as a disease or not a disease is not even the question that should be being asked. We I I want to know like why a person with everything they they know why they end up. Uh, on and trying these substances in such a way and living in such a way that makes it makes it easy because when you have that first drink of booze, that doesn't taste good. Like like there's nothing that like and no one's ever drank, uh, uh had a shot of gin. I was like, man, that's delicious. Like that that just didn't happen. But it's the feeling that comes behind it and it's something they get from that feeling that is superior to re- the reality that that lets them escape from it. And that's what I think we get addicted to if we get addicted to anything and it it hurts me and you know where i got it from i was talking to a, a guy who's who's helped me with the writing of my fiction book he is a he's a therapist and he was saying i made i made some crack on twitter about my 600 pound life and he mentioned he said you know a lot of times when you see somebody eat that much it's because they are coping with some kind of trauma like, like that's not natural there you know he said well he said one episode a girl said she ate like that because she was raped when she was 12 and it kept God's from ever being interested in her again and it changed like like very few things have such a powerful and and polarizing effect in the way I think but it changed the way I look at that show and I couldn't even like at that point I couldn't support it I was like wow uh That's nuts. So so watching it in any way, shape or form, I was just like, it really turned me off to once I once I thought of it that way. And it got me thinking about the way we we handle addiction in every other aspect of life.
1: I think, too, it really does. Like uh, I've been thinking about my drinking as well. Like we did this uh, challenge and so we didn't drink for two months. And after two months, I didn't miss alcohol whatsoever. And when I tasted it again, I didn't even like it. And I thought, oh, okay. And then, uh, you know, the holidays came around, and then, I, you know, I had a drink or two here, then you know, whatever. Now, you know, I, I'll have, I, I'll buy, you know, beer most weeks. And I'm still very productive, so I'm I'm in danger because I, it doesn't slow me down. And oftentimes, it helps me. I'm, I feel like he's you in know, yeah, I might yeah. I might be I might actually it be, actually actually I, helps. I, well, but I might be <laughs> it, it, sometimes I think, oh man, it helps my personality. I'm a little more fiery oh, around. You know, true. what what am I like without it or, you know, I, it, it, and there's something about even that uh I don't know, maybe it's like Pavlov or something, but like the burn of something says okay now you're off work or now you're ready to now you're gonna be able to you know what i mean you, like you train yourself There's a lot
2: to, of social triggers and not everyone has the same issues sure. so you know if, if you're still you know making moves sure. and doing all right and your family respects you and you're not acting a fool right. and getting kicked out of places you're probably all right right probably okay but oh uh, in, in that but also with the with the booze thing you know I, I think about like you know, like, for example, another thing, there's the consumption. I man, the way I drink, when we first started dating, I remember she used to get, she would get mad because I would come over and drink all of her wine. I was drinking one. you know, I drank for a few months uh, when we first started dating. And and even to this day, I I don't, like, I can't wrap my mind around this. She'll go, I want some wine. She'll open a, a bottle of wine. Pour glass, drink half of it, and that glass window being tossed out later. I'm like, what is wrong with you? There's a whole bottle. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right, but it's but it's the same way I consume everything. Like it'll be all later like, once it stopped being wine. It was a French press of coffee. The difference is that. After, you know, after two friends press a copy, I'm I'm not being a fool. You know, I'm just hyped up and productive. So it's channeling your demons, man, and really knowing.
1: Well, right? it's funny. It's, it's, it sounds like your whole personality is like that. So the same way, uh, like, oh, right. Is that like, like your new books about Twitter followers and stuff like that? Like, it's like, well, if, well I mean, there's, I, I know that there's 15 Twitter followers, but there's also a hundred more. So why wouldn't I go? why wouldn't I go after all, you know what I mean? The same way as there's a whole bottle of alcohol there.
2: And it, 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 my my personality it is is it is that way. What you were saying about whether it opens you up or makes you more interesting? Look, man, I am the the way I'm talking to you right now is how I talk to people all the time. Very engaged and lively. I I didn't need alcohol to be this way, but when I got it in me, the overboard, they're completely overboard, and so now I'm like i'm still uh you know on the upper end of engaging and hopping around like, like we when i hop out of bed we, we have this meme that we we like to laugh at where there's two elephants and it's like the morning person and the evening person the morning elephant is like got its head down in the dirt and the uh are the are the are the, the not morning elephant but the morning elephant's up floppy walking around hopping uh Hey, light on his feet, and that's how I'm all the time. A lot of times, fresh out of bed, and, you know. And on the rare cases, I'm not. i usually because I'm reading something that I woke up to. I think a combination of dealing with issues uh from my childhood, combined with my my unique drive of you know, in combination of things, when you when you sprinkle the alcohol on that, that's too much of a fire. That you know, I I think. And that that was a big issue with me, and I think why what one of the reasons I wrote the book and I was very careful to address this in many different ways so people got this and judgment by of reviews, I think they did was that it doesn't really matter why you feel like your relationship with alcohol is negative. What does matter is that you want to change it. That's it like i don't I don't care if you think having three glasses of wine is is a uh, is a problem, right. You feel that way? You want to change it? All right, man. We, we talk about it, and you 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 go forth and decide what. But it's not. I, I really am not a fan of the whole addiction um, is a sickness mm-hmm. model.
0: But does that then go further out into other mental health areas? Because that chain of thought is it's it's kind of hard to walk because people. I find that to push back against that, you find people that say, "But no, I have." You know, you can fill in the blank depression or addiction or whatever. As in, it's not my fault is where that can be really quickly. And then or even the obesity ones, the same thing. Oh, some people are have a genetic predisposition, oh, but not hey, to be six hundred pounds necessarily. Right.
2: But, so you know. so right, this this is the this is the challenge. This is the the, 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 the challenge. It's okay the heart says Issues happen. And then that's even supported by research that people cope with things in a certain way. Or there are there certain chemical imbalances uh, that cause a person to behave a certain way? The heart recognizes that. The will, the mind, the part of me that goes, I did it. What is wrong with you? I look at you, I look at that and I go, well, just, you know just stop, be suffer for a little while because it's going to be miserable, but just stop and get control. And I think there's a time and a place for that approach as well. But here's, here's what I think the biggest difference is. When a person really wants to do something, they're going to find a way or they're going to build the environment that's going to make it, uh, that's going to increase their likelihood of success. When they do all that and if they still can't step away, you know, maybe there is a real issue. But when a person is not willing to put the work in on their own, the things they can't control, right? Let's pretend that that addiction is something beyond their control. If they're not willing to put the work and change their environment, change the friends, work on different, uh, you know, take up different activities in place of it, come up with coping strategies, really, really try to change, uh, that, that's where I kind of get lost, and I think that's why that 600-pound life thing really resonated with me, because there's a lot of fat people in America, not a lot of 600-pound people, right? right. Uh, you, you really got to try to get there. There's an active way you got there. That's not just passive consumption. There's there's something there that is making you act and run towards that, like that's not just laziness or lack of self control because your body would eventually homeostatically regulate you wouldn't get to 600 i don't think you can get to 500 probably unless you're like 68 or something like that but the average person can't get that far off you know so uh that is my thought process on that is if i watch a person do everything that needs to be done or that they can do reasonably and they're really trying. I, but but I also find those people tend to succeed uh, in, in overcoming what they want to overcome. There's not uh, one thing I noticed. I don't know how many people, you know, who quit smoking. I took a poll on this and to just confirm it wasn't my experiences. And it was like, it was like 70 to 30. Right. To people when they who quit smoking. Did they use some type of like Chantix nicotine project? They go cold turkey. And the most and, and oh by an overwhelming majority, about 70% of them, the ones who wanted to quit didn't use anything. They just said, I'm going to stop. And like I had one person that I just locked myself in a room until it passed, whatever, right? That kind of deal. Because they they decided it was done with cigarettes. You know, and they weren't looking for a way back. They weren't looking for an excuse. They really wanted this out of their life. I think I think those other people who needed the help perhaps probably did have something um, in the realm of addiction as a sickness, and they needed the assistance of something else to get them there. But I hear that—we take that approach with everything else. All the people I know, a lot of people I know who got clean, changed their life, fixed their diet up—it was willpower. There was no magic system. It was no. I like. I'm curious, like, what the success rate of like Weight Watchers is, or someone on on a diet pill. People who are looking for that that extra, and I bet it's just the same. Because when you really want it, you tend to do it. Unless there's something wrong, and then you still find the help. You seek out that help, but look at where the disparity is. That shows you that most people who are that don't have it together are are afflicted by some type of addiction or a mental issue. Uh, they're probably. Not trying to uh, move in that move in that space on their own, you know.
1: I think what you're saying here really is it makes a lot of sense. I think what, like for example, if you take alcohol, it actually is a tool that you are using to try and maybe cope with some trauma that you've had or fears or where, all this stuff, or you know, maybe you it, just in public you don't you don't feel comfortable. So if you have a couple of drinks, you can hang out at a party and be more social. So so it's a tool, and then you have to realize at a certain point. This tool no longer is working for me. In fact, this tool is old and outdated, and it might hurt me. I have to update and and get a new tool. And if I can do that, then I actually can move on past something. As opposed to the idea of, well, I'm just made this way, so that's it. it that, that, yeah, when that you put on the you, label it, and identity, right. it's kind of over. Yeah, once it becomes your identity, then same you with can't, math. Di- bad then alcohol isn't a tool or anything; it's just you, and so you can't. Yeah, same, same as exact same as math. I'm just bad yeah. at math. No, wait a minute. Just no. Hold that's on, your you just excuse. Gotta, just yeah. get the tool right. right. And the tool is you, always is. Yeah. And you, you know, if you just work it right and, and get through some of the pain and the process and all that stuff, you can really actually move forward. But I there's mean, a real
0: taboo, though, against telling people that. And it's just too, it's just too oh, yeah. tricky yeah, to engage you know, it's, in. It's
2: really, you know, really, it, you know the, the, and that's a shame, man. It really is a shame because you can't you can't tell people and I don't think you ever really could I don't think this is something new maybe the extreme maybe the degree is new but the type is not right um, you can't really tell a person that you know it's all in your head no. you can't tell a person that you you can't even use examples because what's what what's the big what's the big counter or comeback to that well that person is different yeah, I'm me right
0: right right uh, easy for you whatever exactly
2: right. You know, people will argue for their limitations like no other. Like that like it is amazing how the energy a person will put into justifying why they cannot do a thing, why they cannot be a thing. And until you and it's one thing to like hear it and you see it and you go, Okay, I was expecting, I was expecting that. But then just over again, you know, I, I was talking to 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 a friend of mine or a cousin friend of mine. And he was talking about how he wanted to quit smoking. And I was like, Well, quit buying weed, right? Like it like to me, that that just made sense. Just just quit buying. And he goes, Ah oh, man, but you know I love weed. And I'm like, wait a second, I thought you were just talking about quitting it. He's like, I know, man. I'm just saying I wanna stop, but I love it. And I'm like, right. Okay. Uh you know, people yeah. They'll, they'll argue for whatever they think is yeah
1: well that's the that's the thing people uh, even going back to your your the, the your boxing and everything people want the outcomes more than they want the actual thing people want to say man I was a heavyweight boxer that would be really cool on my resume but they don't really want to the be in there training doing all the stuff really dedicated what it takes people you know, it's the same way <laughs> as uh with our food or with our diet or with with alcohol or anything that we have you want you want the outcome so that's why it's way easier for us to go, well, I'll just take the pill to lose weight. Right. But the pill's way easy. I don't want to, I don't want to actually have to go out there and exercise or eat less or or think about this and and realize, "Oh, I'm not hungry." That's hard. It really is hard to do, but that's the only actual way that there's real change.
2: The only way. You know, if look, if, if it were easy, uh everyone would have it, you know. But you can't tell people that. Right. I think I think one of the best things to happen. You want to talk about like luck? I always I always like to give luck its proper place in any success that I, I've had, and I am so lucky. I was born in 1985 because being born in 1985 that means that the majority of my like like my there was no social media in high school. There, there was no one to show off and impress for on social media, and you had to like be able to talk to people and all that kind of stuff. You couldn't just like send them a message in the DMs if you wanted to approach them on a street or something like that. Um, And what that did though, and, and you see what that did is, is I, I was forced as we all were, who were born in that era to put a lot more weight on, on someone's, uh, what do we? I'm trying to think of like a non-street way to say this. I, I know the slang way. Uh, someone's front versus their 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 uh clout. We had to look at what the person actually did, not what they appeared to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, dude, it's super easy, man. You can go f- freaking rent rent stuff rent your airbnb rent a lambo get a photo shoot with it and voila you are the thing that you say you are you don't have to go put the work you, you can you know t- take some diet pills get, get some and you don't even have to take diet pills because now you can get the you can get the good stuff delivered to you uh anything banned or illegal that actually works that's why it's banned or illegal and and you know pop some of like that do a few you know cheap push-ups and boom pictures Keep them up, and now, and now you look like you're you're a fitness god, and they're gonna sell you uh, stuff on that. But the whole, well, what we had to do, you you couldn't just have the appearance; you had to make sure uh, that you could get it because you know, no one really cared I mean, look, then there were always con or if you wanted to go like sure. that route. But but like, but the the day to day casual experience of uh, trying to chase. The the Instagrammable poses and the Instagrammable life, good for social media, there was nothing to really show off whether you wanted it or you didn't. now people are motivated very much by the appearance of the thing, not the actual thing itself. You're right.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, Ed, your thinking style is just, just really, really right up there. I mean, it's really one of my favorite ways of thinking. And I, all the different things you touch, you have the same thought press process underlying. And a lot of it is wisdom uh, that you've learned from understanding. I think you must have a mechanical mind, is, is my guess there. Um, and that you learn from things and apply them to other things and recognize patterns and, and things like that. So even in your last book here, or your latest book, Engagement is the New Cocaine, you're talking about how to do social media well, which is the space that's filled with every kind of person who's just <laughs> yeah. posturing and reputation and selling reputation and all that stuff. And your whole point of that is that's the art and science of writing awesomely addictive tweets. It, it's a it's a helpful thing, but it's you. I like how you lay it bare and say, yes, this is my goal, but the right way to do the goal is the intrinsic value of the quality of the work and understanding it. That's how you get right. it that way. It's not the fake version of that. And that's really what, you, you what it all boils it, down you to. You
2: said it better than I did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, It's true, man, because like, like the art and science, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm playing with words for the cover and to make sure it's, you know, nice and marketable, but there's a lot, there's truth. It's OK. I can tell you, you know, the stylistic devices that make a, a tweet pop. Right. That's the science of it. What I can't teach you, I can't teach you when to break those rules because a thing might sound a little better. I can't I can't even teach you you know, what to talk about. I can't make your life interesting either. I can't give you perspectives. Um, you have to go earn those. You have to go live. But if you have any type of life experience with it uh what all, all that book does is take and focus it and to make the message more palatable 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 make the message more engaging and and really pull people in to it i see this a lot too like i got get guys who try it who buy it and go and start working out the techniques and they don't and then they have even they have success because the style is the style. But it comes off sounding kind of like a generic platitude because there's no real experience and perspective behind it. There's no art. There's no heart. But then I get other guys, you know, some of our best some of the guys that really kill it with the with the course are usually you know, they're usually over thirty, mo- most of them over thirty five, who've done a few things and got a few thoughts and got a few experiences. I also got a really cool person in there right now who is a, uh, a retired chemistry teacher and just kind of this has all kinds of cool analogies and things they come up with, and and it's so engaging and interesting. And I, I love seeing that kind of thing happen because it's proof. That look uh, just because you have uh, the tools and the techniques, that's that's not enough. But it's also not enough if you just have the experience and perspective. Uh, the thing that makes the writing good, and the thing I teach in there, and I try to teach in every other piece of writing that I put out that instructs on this on this particular topic, is that it's it's got to be a wicked marriage, man, between between solid writing technique and expressiveness. You got to be able to express your life. And if you can do that, ah, man, people love it. Like, I mean, one of my claims in the book is is you can make any subject interesting. And I, and I go through and I got tweets about math, tweets about physics, tweets about boxing, tweets about crackheads, tweets about coffee, right? It's all kinds of interesting things you can talk about. And the people who get it, they, they pick it up and they go, wow, this really worked. This is great. And I love, I love getting testimonials because that means that I'm good enough at teaching this thing. Because look, you can look right. at my Twitter account and go, okay, he can do this, but can I do this? Right. And when I get the testimonials and people send the screenshots of their increased uh, analytics, I'm like, okay, great. Keep putting food on my table because right. your testimonial, <laughs> well, people yeah. that I'm not just making this up. Well, thank,
0: awesome, you. thank you so much for spending time with us today. I, I identify your thought process as you're an optimizer and you're a modifier of your environment that comes through and all the stuff that you do. I love it. It's, it's wonderful. So, yeah. thanks for being inspirational across multiple platforms. And I hope people check out
1: your stuff. Yeah. And they can find you at edlattimore.com. What's, what's your handle on Twitter? Is it?
2: Man, it's edlattimore.com it, right, Ed yep, Ed oh. and edlattimore on Instagram. Those are the three platforms that I'm really. Eating. Filling out Instagram changed my brain because I'm not naturally a visual thinker, so I've learned. But most of the pictures my girlfriend takes because I don't, I just don't have it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Right, I can learn it, but I just don't have it, right?
1: All right, Ed. Thanks so much, man. We really appreciate your time today.
2: Hey, no problem. You guys have a good one.
1: All right, you too, man. Well, Ed Lattimore, very good, huh? Yeah, that was great. I really enjoyed it. I just, I mean it was just fascinating a boxer and then becoming an, you know, an author that just, you just don't hear about that much. And, and boxing is so brutal. And it, I, I really have been thinking more and more, like I should, I probably need to get into some form of, uh, boxing or, yeah, uh, fighting, grappling, UFC style, mixed martial arts type thing. I think that would be good for me. Like the, every guy that I've ever talked to that does it, uh, you know, this is even like a Rogan quote is like once you realize somebody once somebody puts you down, you learn something that oh, you yeah. can't learn any other way. Absolutely. You can't learn any other way when you somebody hits you. And like, I mean, Ed's whole life changed because somebody punched him out and knock, knocked him to yeah, the ground. It's the and most he was good. Yeah. And it's, it's not embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. It is scary. And th- he learned so much in that moment that it changed his life forever. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Totally. The way people talk I lie, about I it, it,
0: it makes you aware that if you did it, you'd be better for it, and you just don't quite want to take that plunge. So you can say I you know. want to do it, but if you did want to do it, you'd right. already do it, and you know if you yeah, did it, you'd like right. it, and you would have a transformative experience and become a better person, and you still Man. won't do it yet. And, no. that is, and you know almost for a fact that if you did jiu you would know
1: later that you were a
0: better person than you are now but you well, still gonna, won't do it. And
1: that's what I'm that's use, where you have to... I'm going to use the reasoning of people when they talk about working out. I just don't want to get too big. Right, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's
0: what we were talking about in this whole podcast is all those excuses. <laughs> right. And here's who you don't big. believe. The person says, you know what? I would love to do jujitsu, but no, right. mm-hmm. I don't want to do jujitsu. I admit right. that I should do it and that I would be a better person and greatly improved if I did it and that I would love it. And so the only excuse is I must not want to. I can't say I want right. to, but... Right. I don't have time. That no, I, I, I'm too I mean, I lazy and the, I'm too uh, scared. Yeah. Is the only reason because everything right. else tells me, of course, I should be doing something physical yeah. and competitive with real fitness and whatever. You know, of course, COVID. I should. I'm COVID. too weak and I'm too scared, and it's COVID.
1: You, yeah, that's why COVID. I'm not, and that's the way everybody should talk. That. I think I'm like, I can't stop drinking because COVID. I know
0: yeah that's what i'm saying well, i mean
1: what do you what am, I, what am i gonna do how many people oh, te- say that like well i would
0: i would like to be in a band and go on tour too if that if i ever got the tour like if I, well i mean right. i don't want to do that but like if i ever got to do the arenas i would do it of course well you know, that's not you can't yeah. you don't get to say that it's
1: just the worst feeling in the world knowing you actually can do stuff and that's what ed was talking about you yeah, it's terrible to know that you, you
0: could you, and don't it's way right. more painful yeah
1: it, it is just awful knowing wait a minute i I can do that. I can and, and I ha- should, but and I won't. And, and if I do, it's going to hurt and be hard, and it's going to take time, mm-hmm. and I'm my, all this stuff and investment in me, and I will be better for it, and I can do it, but God, it's just so easier on this side not doing it. No, but it's better it's to say so that's how weak I am. You're right. You're right. Not that, I it, want to, but it, yeah. can't, because I have a condition. You're right. No.
0: No, no, no. Yes, you yes, I you're am right. too I weak agree. and too scared to proceed with what I, I know is right and what I think I would like to want, but I can't quite get there. Yep. That's the best description of most of your it's problems. It's easier
1: never to risk anything or to go through the pain. It just feel it's safer. It's I understand it. I do it all the time. A, I think
0: if my, it was singing. I mean, the singing. I don't believe that I can't sing. I mean, some people are actually pretty tone deaf, but other than that, I just right. don't buy it. I mean, you can. I mean, of course, some people no, have natural talent. But that's no excuse for you not getting totally adequate at a thing you would like to get adequate oh, at because right. somebody's world class at it. Somebody has a better, a right. uh, genetic disposition or privilege for something, so you can't get satisfyingly better at it to where it will change your life because you're not going to well, be number also, one?
1: Also, well, also, that's what we've been taught. Why would you ever try to get good at singing if you're not going to be a professional and make lots of money? Because it? it's, it's nice to sing. That's lie we've been told. I know, but that's what's been, that's what's stolen you know? our art, our passion, you our like care it. for stuff like that. I mean, the, the goal, what, why would now at 44, Toby try to learn more about physics? What good is it going to do me? What, I mean, I could give all these excuses, right? The truth is, it would make me a hell of a better person. If
0: you would like, it, just for it me, works. and I
1: wouldn't make, I might not make a dime yeah, op, think, off of it ever or anything. But that would actually be better. There would be real passion and and even artistic value in that, in some sense. Yeah, of like pursuing something outside of you don't uh, want the results kind of compensation of the for it. The, if you only want the yeah. results, that's
0: when monetarily, you get to have that. You go, you know what? Concert. I want to be on stage as a rock star. I believe right. you. I believe that. I don't think that's a lie. That's true. But you don't really get to be one unless you like. The, I mean, right. you have to like the the practice and the just dis- micro discoveries. I mean, if you you can't, there's no way to get that motivation outside of right. pain. You know, pain's are probably our most efficient motivator, and that's no. too bad. But that's one way to get. That's why they have the rock bottom thing in addiction. It's like, well, you'll want to change when you hit a rock enough bottom, a b- right. low enough bottom or something. But other than that, you just say one thing, and it's not really true because it's too hard to say I can't or I should, but I won't or I'm weak. But I am. In many ways, think of the list of stuff you know to do God, that you simply I don't, don't. and it's unfortunately, there's no diagnosis for what's wrong with you. You just continue to not. Right. <laughs> well, anyway, all right. The well, uh, I think we've got a commercial for the BC Club another testimonial, ooh. as Ed would put it. Testimonials are good things, and I feel the same way. I would be too embarrassed to overhype the thing. I always think people should join the BC Club because if you've been listening to this podcast for this long, you would serve yourself well by joining the BC Club, joining the community, getting more content. If you've listened to dozens of episodes of this podcast and enjoy it, yeah, sure, I'll get a few bucks from you, and I would like that, and I would use that, and I'd appreciate that. But the data seems to show that other people that are in your case – make the transformation. They part with a few bucks and then they are better for it and enjoy it and stay and like it. So the results already of the math tell you, you should join the BC club. I'm also asking you, but you don't have to take my word for it either. Here's an actual testimonial from somebody that we did not script and you can hear hear it in their words. Maybe that'll move you a little bit more. Um, and if you don't want to join the BC club, that's totally fine. But I still am going to continue to be a big believer in you should be paying for some of the things you consume that are free, not all of them. And it doesn't matter which one it is. If you listen to a hundred podcasts, surely you can't join them all. No, just pick three, any three. Then you're that kind of person. So doesn't matter if it's this podcast or organizations. We like I whatever ju- we it just is. gave
1: we gave money to our local SPCA because I just. Yeah, I just have to yeah. sometimes. Don't There's make it all or
0: nothing. I know I
1: don't get anything from it and it's just it's good. Yeah, don't do make that.
0: it all or nothing, just change the type of person you are to one who participates and supports some things and don't worry about it. Same with uh, climate yep. change. You know, well, you don't have to fix everything and, and be carbon neutral, well, but you can do something.
1: And and the money you give to us it ain't going to alcohol anymore for Matt. <laughs> For well, Matt so We'll see I, I got that drinking well, not, game On the yeah, Are you listening for two more only d- problem oh yeah, that's true. On <laughs> sweat, true I've been lord. thinking about that On are you listening Maybe that'll just be the, 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 My one power that, That's what I said Cheap A Weekend warrior <laughs> Just on know. Sunday evening For my TV show that, that I, I know I have a show <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it I have a TV show You yeah. gotta drink on. It. If, 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 you know the pressure Of a television show Or an internet Sensation show Anyway play the clip
3: Good lord Hi, my name is Adam from Madison, Wisconsin, here to tell you why about 10 months ago I joined the BC Club. I had been listening to the main show for about four years and finally one day realized that I had been entertained by the show for long enough that they deserved some of my hard-earned cash, and I made the jump. I quickly learned that joining the club was about more than just getting an extra episode every week. It's about more than just financially supporting the guys who've brought me joy and laughter and have even taught me a few things. It's really about more than pretty much everything that the guys have tried to sell you on. Joining the BC Club affords you instant community with people who will laugh with you, they'll challenge you, and they'll push back on your bullshit ideas. Not to mention, every Wednesday, you're going to get to show your pretty face in the selfie thread. Joining the club has not only been worth it for things like early access and cheaper tickets to BC Con and all of the other perks that the guys do, but it's been worth it for the genuine friendships that I've made inside the club. Plus, every Friday, Toby does a virtual lap dance on the Facebook page, and you really don't want to miss that, so you should definitely join. your secrets and whispers telling me that I'm something I'm not All the silly games you play and walk away with nothing to show yeah. never pull yourself together once again or else it's all a hero Your hands, my heart, will take it slow Wars we wage inside our heads, the lies we can't escape We take Buried our mistakes The weaker ones are left behind the world.